everyone, welcome to the Faith and Fandom podcast. Today, I'm doing something I rarely do, which is publicly rank things. I think I made a Facebook post ranking all the Star Wars films at one point, and literally <clears throat> got hate mail for a hot minute. So I tend to avoid doing this. Um, not out of fear, but just, I don't I don't need all the negative. Um, so... <clears throat> I just jokingly made a post on socials, you know, saying, you know, you you can disagree with my opinion, but you don't need to be mean <laughs> or hate me. Um, but if you think in any way, shape or form, me not sharing your opinion on the quality or position of a DC movie is going to affect your ability to read a Bible study for me or hear me talk about Jesus, then just leave <laughs> please don't do this we don't need that divide in our relationship and uh yeah so <laughs> i have been literally commiserating over this list all day long um because like i was looking at like collider's list and rotten tomatoes list and ign's list and y'all we don't agree on like next to anything so just some qualifications for this a lot of the placement of these films for me is going to be on connection replay value special moments and things like that and uh less about critical response or box office and more just how i enjoyed it so I will explain why they're where they are, and I'll let you know that some of them are in very fluid placements. Um, <sighs> but that being said, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah, like even even as I'm reading this, I'm changing some around. Like I'm I'm about to move one. Um, for the same reasons I was just talking about. And it's not going to make me any more popular. So let's move you. Here. Um, yeah. Oh, this is going to be terrible. Um, <laughs> Alright. Here we go. Coming in. I am ranking all 18 entities of the DCEU. Which does include uh, two versions of Justice League and two versions of Batman and Superman. And because of its inclusion of Aquaman and Flash uh, and some other characters that transfer to the films, we're also including Peacemaker of where this goes. So, wrote a song about it, like to hear it. Here it goes. Coming in at number 18 is Wonder Woman 1984. I know that we all have a special connection and uh, association with films that came out during the pandemic. Yeah, this was a film that did not get its fair shake in a box office because of the pandemic. Uh, this is a sequel to one of the best superhero films of all time. But, um, I just had beef with Wonder Woman 84 that I just could not get down with. And, um, first off, some positives. Um, the mall scene, cool. Um, her whipping lightning and riding the lightning, kind of a neat concept. Throwing out the uh, Kingdom Come era golden winged outfit deal. Um, neat. But I'm going to stop there. Uh, I do feel like the original Wonder Woman is one of the best superhero films of all time. And I felt like Wonder Woman 84 completely lost its way. Now... Some things I didn't enjoy. Did not enjoy the direction or the casting for Maxwell Lord. Uh, I love Pedro Pascal. 
I don't like what they did with the character. Um, and I don't love uh, what they did with the visual of Cheetah. Because I feel like they could have done so much more if they'd given it some more time, some more effort. Because I really do. I did enjoy Kristen Wiig uh, in the role. But this was, you know, just something that just didn't fit and it felt forced. Um, the airplane hijacking out of the Smithsonian was horribly uh, illogical for me. Uh, it just, just that, that was a kind of stuck in my crawl. <sighs> but. The reason uh, Wonder Woman 84 goes to the bottom of the DCEU list for me, this is a personal thing. Um, It's a personal, ethical, moral, uh, creepy, cringe thing for me. That Wonder Woman wanting Steve Trevor back when the Rock slash Maxwell Lord grants her her wish of bringing back Steve... Uh, she starts to see Steve at, in some other dude's body. And, you know, eventually it comes to the point that we stop seeing other dude and we start seeing Chris Pine. But she has intimate relations with this dude's body that her boyfriend is, her dead boyfriend is inhabiting through magic. In a way that there is like zero uh, consent discussion. And I find that incredibly creepy. But I also think that Wonder Woman as a character would never. I'm not saying Wonder Woman wouldn't have adult relationships with Steve. I'm not saying that she wouldn't have intimacy. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying that Wonder Woman for who she is and all she stands for would not and just would not. Uh, use some other person's body without consent and without I just don't I just, just it goes against everything that she is as a character and what she stands for as a hero and I I watched this movie and I sat in my living room and I was literally like that's super duper cringy and I don't like it um and I just never bounced back from that so there is that uh I love Gal Gadot I thought there were wonderful things of that movie, but it it just did not sit right. And yeah, it just didn't sit right. And uh, I only watched it the one time. Um, I've seen clips of it here and there since then, but it just, it, 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 it made me so uncomfortable. I never came back. Coming in at number 17, Black Adam. Black Adam is one of my favorite comic book characters. Uh, his uh, portrayal in DC's 52 and in a lot of other things is just a strong, strong character. I feel like The Rock just was The Rock and was not the character at all and made zero to no efforts to actually develop or portray a character. You know, there are tons of Instagram videos, which I followed, of The Rock bulking up so he could be in his best shape for this and not have to have any padding in his suit and stuff like that. But I felt like there was no character change. Like, literally, if they'd even put some hair on him and did that old, you know, the Dracula-looking hair. I, I mean, I don't even know if that would have made a difference. Um... I did a lot enjoy a lot of the side characters of the film. But it felt like everything was just so one-dimensional in his performance that it sucked the life out of it. Now, Hawkman, fantastic. Doctor Fate, well done. Adam Smasher, even enjoyed Adam Smasher. Cyclone, yes. The supporting cast of Black Adam, you know, Chef's Kiss. I'm here for that. Even getting to see Henry Cavill as Superman one more time. 
here for that. But there was just so much toxic stuff going on behind the scenes with The Rock during that time, during the promotion of it, its relation to Shazam and Shazam 2 and things like that. It just felt so weak. And um, I walked away from the theater just kind of like, that's sad. And knowing that its outcome was going to directly affect how quickly the DCEU ended made me very sad. Uh, yeah, I just I just never bounced back from that. Um, and it's it's the reality is anytime you have to use a generic monster or demon or devil or something as a bad guy, which is something DC EU has a tendency to do. If you just have to use a generic bad guy that has no real buildup. And the fact that this dude's just like, yay, I want the power of hell. Y'all, it's just, it's not, there's so much you could do. There's so many good Black Adam villains. So many good Shazam villains. Because listen, a Black Adam story without Shazam doesn't work. The Rock produced Shazam to make it happen. But I'm telling you this, it just did not function for me. Um, and this would probably be on the bottom of my list if Wonder Woman 84 wasn't just so cringy and creepy. So, coming in at number 16, uh, the Justice League, which I will refer to as the 27, 2017 Justice League. Uh, if I had made this list without ever seeing the uh, Snyder Cut, the Justice League would be a lot higher. But because it is what it is, and it was what it was, and all of that stuff that came out following the Justice League about Joss's treatment of people, and all the stuff that just kind of followed the gross and the icky that came out after it, it was just like, it continually pegged away at it. Now, the shirtless Superman fighting the Justice League in slow motion, great. Loved that scene. The remember who you are thing. I wrote a whole devotional just on that one scene. Um, and that was uniquely Joss. Um, and I, for a very long time in my life, have been a, had been a, have had, whatever tense you want to use, been a very big Joss Whedon fan. And so I was excited that he was the guy to take over. But again, when I saw how things panned out, it just kind of, degraded over time uh at the beginning of the film there's a homeless man with a sign that says i tried joss included that by my understanding in the reports i've read joss included that sign of the homeless man with the i tried sign to say that i tried to make something of this movie and i just feel like the attitude and the heart uh only took a bad situation and made it worse so, yeah, that's my number 16. Uh, talk a little bit more about when we hit the Snyder Cut, which obviously isn't in the last three. Um, and because I'm coming fresh out of Aquaman 2, I'm going to go ahead and drop Aquaman 2 at number 15. Now, I have no negatives to say, really, about Aquaman 2, other than uh, it's another Aquaman movie. Um, it is very much the mashup of Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and underwater stuff that, uh, it is like, there are parts that very much like, like, oh, y'all are just straight up quote and star, like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Okay, cool. Um, I'll say that they did a great job fleshing out the relationship with Orm. I enjoy Patrick Wilson as an actor. Um, I enjoyed him as Night Owl. I didn't think he was a bad Orm. Uh, this was just pretty much a buddy comedy. This was bananas, balls to the walls, sci-fi. Um, but I honestly found myself struggling to care through half the movie. Um, the Amber Heard presence didn't feel like it was really diminished at all. And not that I needed Amber Heard to be cut less, but it's just, again, DC films <laughs> 
have had a lot of drama attached to them lately. And so even though like I was trying to be disconnected, like, um, and just be in the moment of the movie, like while watching some of the Amber scenes, I'm literally going back to the hours of Johnny Depp trial and stuff like that. Um, now the movie is not in this position because of any of that. I'm just talking to you about how I felt about the movie. Um, you can tell Jason Momoa loves this role. You can tell Jason Momoa had a blast doing it and that he celebrated every moment of it. Uh, my favorite quote of the film um, was from Tom Curry, uh, played by Timaru, the guy who is a uh, Boba Fett and Django um, Fett. Uh, says, celebrate the wins, mourn the losses, wake up the next morning and do it again. Sometimes not giving up is the most heroic thing you can do. And I'm proud of Jason Moa for sticking it out. Uh, if you aren't aware, they didn't even have a red carpet event f or premiere for Aquaman 2. Like, <laughs> the DC world has moved on. And these guys just had a nice little premiere party, but they didn't have the things that all the rest of them had. And that's a hard thing, to be the one closing the door on a whole franchise. But what I will say this is that he went out with a bang. He did his best. And I love the fact that if you see, if when you see the film, you'll understand Momoa ends the DC EU the way Iron Man begins the MCU, which was just kind of fun. So Aquaman coming in at number fifteen. So coming in at number fourteen, and is that right? 18, 17, 16, 15. Yeah. Coming in at number 14. And I'll say this is only as high as it is because of Michael Keaton. The Flash. Uh, again, another DC property absolutely riddled with negative outside connotation and negative publicity and cringe that comes with it. Uh... I did my best to gauge that f the film based on what it was without the rest. Um, but I got to say it, it did make it hard and I still don't feel great about <laughs> everything that's happened. Um, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it was good to see Michael Keaton back. And I will say that Michael Keaton's performance in this movie makes the rest of the Michael Keaton Batmans better by a lot honestly i if you know again i'm all about unpopular opinions right now i don't love the keaton batmans not because i don't think he did a good job it's just it was very 80s it was very early 90s and that stuff doesn't always age well in terms of storytelling and comic book telling because even those films at that time were a hot minute behind where the comic books were uh i can appreciate the keaton films now more than i could in my 20s but i stand by the statement that this film made the keaton batmans better what did not track for me is uh the uh just the flash like ezra miller's performance you know was good in ensemble settings, but first of all, I'm a time travel person. I'm a Whovian. I have a child named after a Doctor Who character. If you give me a sloppy time travel plot, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle with you. And which is honestly why I didn't love Endgame as much as everyone else is because I was like, this is just you know bad Doctor Who. Um, but the two flashes together, you know, it was like the, the whole storytelling of it was one thing. Um, but it was just hard to actually hunker down and really connect with the film. And at the end of the day, I think it bothered me because it accomplished nothing. Like you were no better, no wiser, no uh, stronger or inspired or anything else than when the movie started. And I don't feel like that's what should be at the end of a superhero film. I just don't. Um, on a criticism level, 
uh, some of the CGI was absolute hot garbage. And that will take you out of a film heavily reliant on that really quickly. The babies at the beginning didn't look good. Um, every time he was in that time uh, thing, rewinding time back and forth, looked absolutely terrible. Yes, it was a great way to give us cameos. It was a great way for us to see old faces. That was a, a smart idea. But that was like putting stickers on the Titanic in terms of entertainment value and a quality storyline because it was not a quality story and it uh, didn't accomplish much genuinely speaking the dc animated flashpoint movie which is basically what this was was a hundred times better (laughs) than what we got in this movie product i will add and state that supergirl did a great job I genuinely enjoyed Supergirl. I thought she knocked it out of the park. I thoroughly enjoyed what she brought to the table, and I'm glad she brought it. Um, I am sad to see her go because I think she genuinely killed it, and I enjoyed her performance. So, Keaton, great. Supergirl, fantastic. Miller, not so much. And the story and the CGI just put this on a ranking of DC films I'll probably never watch twice. And uh, with the exception of the Justice League, I think that's because I watch that a lot. Um, I think that's going to be true of all of this. Um, coming in at number 13, uh, Aquaman. I know I've already just hit Aquaman 2 a minute ago. Now, here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with the first Aquaman. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it per se. It was a beautiful sci-fi epic film. I don't have beef with anybody at the time, especially of Aquaman actually coming out. Um, I, you know, it, it was what it was. Uh, I know that roles like Willem Dafoe's stuff was uh, kind of chopped up when it came to the Justice League and different things like that. But I, I have no beef with Aquaman. Um, maybe other than the Pitbull cover of Africa from Toto. Um I, I thought the casting was good. I thought that uh, the casting all across the board in uh, Aquaman was really solid. I don't know that I still love Dolph Lundgren, but whatever. Um, it's not, and I think we're kind of transitioning into this point where it's less about what I have a problem with in these films and more that there's just other films that I enjoyed more. And uh, the, the sheer market of it is... is um, you know, I was asking my kids about which of these films belong in what order. I had my own list, but their opinions were mattered. And all three of my children said, oh, I only watched Aquaman that one time. Like, and I think that was the thing for me. Like, it wasn't a movie of replay value. I watched it. Cool. That's a great sci-fi fantasy film. Less of a superhero movie and more of a good sci-fi fantasy. Great. Thanks. Glad I watched it. Tuck that in a way. And I've, I've not watched Aquaman since theaters. So it lands here on the list for me. Um, just north of that, coming in at a... <laughs> I'm losing count, y'all. I should take better notes. Uh, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13. Coming in at number 12 is Blue Beetle. Now, Blue Beetle has good Rotten Tomato scores across the board. Blue Beetle is highly listed um, up there. Uh, Blue Beetle has a lot of praise. Um, being a Latino member myself, a Latino Hispanic community person, it was great to see the representation. I enjoyed Blue Beetle a lot. Um, I had problems with like, uh, Susan Sarandon's, uh, villainry. Um, like just over the top, just as, as a generic bad guy. Um, Harvey Gillum's character, uh, like, storyline. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think my biggest issue was just uh, plot points and characterizations. I feel like George Lopez steals the show of the film, uh, which isn't a bad thing. And, but past that, I think, I think everybody did a solid job. I think that the movie suffered from tropes and less honest character and story development um and it 
it just felt like you were watching uh somebody retelling a bunch of other superhero stories in condensed forms um i thought the visuals were fantastic um i love the direction of it i i would definitely go watch it again i would watch it again at home i haven't watched it again yet just because life is busy um but it definitely was a good experience for me and i did enjoy blue beetle um you know it's already heck ahead of one two three four five six it's ahead of six dc films out of 18 that's not too bad um now on a lot of other companies uh lists blue beetle was really high like top five high um and i'm just a too big of a nerd about some other things for it to make it that high um but it was good so one two three four five six seven so that was coming in at 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12. Uh, coming in at number 11. If I'm doing that right. Yeah. Coming in at number 11 uh, is going to be Peacemaker. Um, and I say this with a grain of salt. Um, and this also just has to depend on a bit of replayability. Uh Peacemaker is violent, it's vulgar, it's inappropriate, and it's a lot of Deadpoolish level humor and things like that. But uh, John Cena does his thing, man. John Cena is a great peacemaker, and getting to see a character developed like that, uh, some of the Batman commentary, the fact that you do get Aquaman and Flash and silhouettes of the rest of the Justice League at the end of the story is fun. Robert Patrick's performance as. Uh, you know, Peacemaker's dad. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of solid performances in it. And, um, literally, I think this makes it this high on the list sheerly for the theme song and the choreographed dance of the theme song. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, it was part of the changing tide from the DCEU to whatever James Gunn is doing. Um, but I, I just genuinely feel like it was a solid sequel to the Suicide Squad film and that John Cena just gave a really good performance of Peacemaker and I think that won out over a lot of things for me so that was coming at number 11 now we are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 we are officially hitting the top 10 for me of the DCEU and uh you know, the the bottom eight are flexible. Like, realistically, you could juggle most of those bottom eight things around. And I wouldn't have much argument to say on those things. Um, and even in the... Eh, even from 10 and 9 are very flexible for me. Um... So we'll get there in a second, but coming in at number 10 is Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods. I love Shazam. I love Zachary Levi. I'm a fan of him as a person, but again, <laughs> DC and problematic stuff and uh, reading through Zachary Levi's biography and seeing that he's dealt with self-worth issues and... Um, borderline uh suicidal tendencies since losing the role of star lord uh to chris pratt which i didn't know was a thing and seeing him uh lose his cool on social media about the box office sales and the critical reviews and even since then his commentary it's zachary's turned into uh he's gone through a lot and it's bringing negative spin to a lot of his roles currently um and i'm really hoping he gets clear of that soon and find some peace with that um, but that being said the negative press of black adam and the fact that black adam preceded shazam 2 by a several months uh put shazam 2 in a bad place people 
we're kind of just done with the whole lightning-based superhero at the point that Shazam 2 finally dropped. And I think a lot of Black Adam's response and uh, by my understanding of the DC media world that The Rock's refusal to let certain things take place in Shazam 2 hindered its ability to have success like to my understanding hawkman was supposed to show up in shazam 2 and uh offer him a spot in the jsa things like that not that it's going to matter at this point but like that things were just interfered and by and large black adam should have been the villain or at least a story point in shazam 2 and because i'll say one thing that really did hurt um Shazam 2 is outside of the marketing outside of the fact it didn't get advertised enough was there really wasn't a way without divulging the full storyline and things like that to make Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu seem like a credible villain set that we're supposed to care about um it just seemed like a almost like a petty B story um now the the characters did good jobs i enjoyed helen mirren's performance i enjoyed lucy Liu, uh the young lady from west side story i thought she did a great job but it was one of those things that it just didn't come across as this is a story i need to be told uh i thought the stuff with the dragon was really cool it was good to see the family development even more so um and the the final battle in the baseball stadium um, was absolutely quality superhero storytelling. Um, the Wonder Woman stuff uh, in there was good at the end. I mean, there's, but it also like very, seemed very plot holy. Um, but all that being said, it just. I, I felt like the movie had trouble before it ever got here. And um, they did their best with it. Now, I will say that I felt like the performance was fine, like in Shazam 1, in terms of the relation between Billy and Shazam. But it genuinely felt like... Uh, Billy was more mature than Shazam because Shazam is supposed to be a representation of an adult version of a small child. And I genuinely felt like it hurt the performance that even though Asher, the kid who plays Billy had grown and matured that it felt like Shazam almost went downgraded in his maturity level. And I know that didn't help. And I know that that was some of the, that some people said the performance was grading in that capacity. Um, we got Mark Strong back, uh, in a post credit scene as, um, you know, our villain from the first one. And we got Mr. Mind back. And those are things we're never going to see play out like that. But man, I was so excited to see it. And, you know, the graphics were better, the costumes were better, everything looked better, and I enjoyed watching it, but it was one of those that, you know, I've purchased the movie, but not watched it since theaters. Again, life has been really crazy since this point, uh, as this year has progressed, but it's one of those that I just felt like just had so much baggage going into it. That it was hard for it to succeed. Alright, now here's where things are going to get dicey. And I fully expect you to start like throwing things at your screen. Or you know, burning my books or whatever. Um, but coming in at uh, number 9. Suicide Squad 2016. Now let me first off uh, address all the negatives. Uh, Leto's performance, I, yep, I'm aware. Um, my biggest beef, like, I think I would have been fine 
with Suicide Squad 2016 as being a stakeholder of great superhero storytelling had it not been for the bad guys of Enchantress and the fact that the monsters and stuff literally look like putties from the Power Rangers. Again, and this goes back to the same problem I've mentioned over and over again in superhero movies, especially in DC, is you don't have legitimate conflicts and storytelling to go through with, so you come up with a random monster villain to beat up rather than actually have somebody with conflict, because conflict means there's actually a story to tell. I digress. Um, And when it comes to uh, Leto's performance and things like that, we still never got the full version of this story because David Ayer uh, never got to show the version of the movie that he created. And we all saw clips of more like Joker-centric stuff where he's actually in a suit and different things like that. And I know that the performance that we saw was not his final performance and the full scope of the storytelling. I know that's not the full thing. But why I will put this as high as it was on the list is because the casting of the rest of it. Viola Davis, about as good as an Amanda Waller as you could possibly hope for. Will Smith is Deadshot. I was here for it. I actually really enjoyed his performance. I think it's one of the last really solid Will Smith action-y performances that I was down with. And, dude, the one line he says, I will rain down on you like the Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on. That was fire. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, <laughs> like, I, I genuinely, genuinely enjoyed uh, Will Smith's casting as Deadshot. I thought Captain Boomerang was great. Um, I Jai Courtney does not always do a lot of stuff that's fantastic uh, for me, but dang it, his Boomerang, absolutely great. Um, when it came to Katana, Katana, like, she did not shine for me in this, but dude, she's gone on to be some of the best, like, superhero action-y stuff. You know, she's um, the lady in The Boys that... You know, the comic book show, The Boys. Um, she's, oh man, she just does so much good stuff. And what was she just in that I just watched? I just watched her and she was a voice for something. Um, but either way, man, like, I, I will say uh, that giving us a solid uh, Harley Quinn origin story, giving us a team movie. Honestly, I thought Diablo was pretty cool. Um, and I thought the, the role with Enchantress was solid, but, uh, I just, it's the movie that gave us Harley Quinn, the chemistry between Harley and Deadshot and Boomerang was fire. I absolutely loved it. And I know that DC got in there, Warner Brothers got in there and chop sueyed the final cut of the film, trying to do something else. And here's the thing that I think DC has taught us more than anything else when it comes to movies is let storytellers tell their freaking stories. Don't hire somebody and then try to circumvent their storytelling. If you hire someone, commit to it and let him go. I know for a fact that the air cut would have been better than what we got. And I think part of me wants to put this up in the top 10 simply because there's a better story out there than we never actually got to see. But I will hold on to it for the story we did get. I will hold on to it for what we got because I did enjoy what we got. If you take out the putty monsters and flesh out Heath Ledger a little bit more, not Heath Ledger, I am so sorry, if you flesh out Jared Leto a little bit more, if I've said Heath Ledger previously in describing Leto, I greatly apologize. It's it's hard not to associate the Joker with Heath Ledger, um, but I think that the Leto performance that uh, we got was not what we could have gotten, um, but past that, I genuinely think the Leto and uh, Robbie chemistry was solid. So coming in at a crisp number nine, 
was 2016 Suicide Squad. Now, I will also give bonus points because this is the soundtrack that introduced 21 Pilots to a lot of people, in some ways me, um, with the Heathen song. And you know what? If it, it deserves a spot in the list for that alone. Because it was a banger soundtrack. It absolutely was. Um, so yeah. Coming in... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I know it's not that many numbers, but I don't want to say the wrong thing and get lost. Um, coming in at number eight is Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, <sighs> Doomsday was terrible. I acknowledge it. Doomsday was a bad life choice. I acknowledge it. Um. I totally understand what Snyder was trying to do with uh, Jesse Eisenberg. That he literally was trying to turn Lex Luthor into Mark Zuckerberg. I get it. It's a creative choice. Um, that being said, eh. <laughs> um, I enjoyed this movie despite... Um, some of the, um, Lex Luthor stuff, and definitely I enjoyed this movie despite, um, Doomsday. I will also say that one of the coolest things I think that happened, intentional, and I do believe this is intentional, is that, you know, if you are uh, familiar with Superman mythology and, you know, what faith and fandom is and stuff like that. There has long, 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 long been uh, messianic com comparisons between Superman and Jesus. And, uh, you know, Superman being the Messiah figure of, especially in some of the Man of Steel's narrative. Um, Batman v Superman, original theatrical release, came out on wait for it good friday it did look it up <laughs> the the year that it came out i watched B batman v superman in theaters on good friday uh when it came out and the idea that they gave us the superhero messianic figure dying to save the world on good friday come on guys come on that was smooth that was some smooth criminal stuff right there um I loved, I loved getting Ben Affleck as Batman. Uh, I remember being a young man, maybe 20. I forgot when Daredevil officially came out, but I watched Daredevil in theaters a bunch of times. Um, I, and I know it wasn't perfect, but I enjoyed Ben Affleck's performance. And guess what? I enjoyed Ben Affleck as Batman. I understand that there was a lot of B Batman v Superman was a, an attempt at trying to do the Dark Knight Returns, and even with that, I think Batman did a good or Bruce uh, Batfleck did a good job with it. Um, I loved Cavill as Superman, and so this was a good sequel to that. But this also introduced us to Wonder Woman, and dude, when Wonder Woman's music hits that first time in Batman vs Superman, it is fire! It is fire! Um, and you know that line that maybe it's the Gotham City in me. Like, and the, listen, there was so much good and intense about, but, and I get totally y'all the Martha thing. I get the Martha thing. Yeah. Why would you say that? It, like, I get it. I get why it's dumb, but I also get why it's kind of smart. And I enjoyed Batman versus Superman, the theatrical version as it was. Um, I, I am fully aware that it wasn't perfect, but dang it. That was the first time in my life that Batman and Superman live action shared screen together in a movie. And I was happy about it. Wonder Woman as well? Come on. Come on. I was super pumped about that. Um, I, I, I recognize all the flaws and warts in it. But dang it, I was happy it existed. So, uh, Batman vs. Superman. Coming in at number 7, Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn now this was a harley quinn movie uh again margot robbie has always understood the assignment 
And she has been a consistent Harley Quinn that I think we need to all appreciate. Um, and I don't think we ever need to forget for a fact that we had this woman be Harley Quinn across one, two, three films, right? Harley Quinn across three films and absolutely nail the assignment and add depth to it every time. Um, and I don't, I don't, we don't ever need to forget that she did a good job. Uh, but that being said, uh, I feel like this was a good attempt at a movie. Um, I have beef with it, um, in some areas, uh, Renee Montoya, the question is one of my all time, all time top 10 superhero characters of all time. And just by and large, as much as I loved Rosie Perez and ever and have ever since White Man Can't Jump, she was too old to play the character of Renee Montoya. For Renee Montoya to be able to be a credible, ongoing addition to the DCEU. Renee Montoya is supposed to be a young cop, and especially if you're going to give her room to become the question or become commissioner or any of the other things that they've done. Um, I didn't enjoy her performance. I just knew that by casting her, we didn't have a future with the character. And I think that bothered me. Um, other beef, Cassandra Kane. Uh, yes, they could have let this girl go off and be trained, but y'all Cassandra Kane is the absolute most gangster assassin in the DC comic book franchise. Uh, like she can rival Batman and Lady Sheba and for her just to be a punk rock kid pit pickpocket, it was a little disappointing in that capacity. Um, the young lady that played, uh, Black Canary, I didn't have a beef with her. I thought she did a good job and I thought, you know, her, she did a good job with the role. Uh, the, uh, the fact that Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, played Hawk or not Hawk, uh, Huntress, I was down for that. Now, did they, uh, water down the depth and, uh, grit that comes to the character of Helena Bartonelli? Absolutely. They kind of stripped her down into making her a sight gag. Um, which I didn't love in the character development aspects. Um, but I say this, like Harley's, uh, uh, fight scene in the, um, police station rivals almost anything in terms of fight scenes in, in combat films, period. Um, Ewan McGregor playing Roman Sionis, Black Mask, and, Going off and making him way creepier than he needed to be? Let's like, what on earth is happening? Now, I've since learned in the backstory of life and everything else that happens that uh, during the filming of Fargo Season 3, uh, <laughs> Ewan McGregor and um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who played a romantic relationship together in Fargo Season 3, uh, fell in love with each other. And... Uh, have eventually gotten married and have a child and everything since then. But I credit um, their romance uh, for the fact that Ewan McGregor signed on to do this movie. Or, yeah, I, I genuinely think that Ewan McGregor's like, oh, I'll just go hang out with my sweetie. And that's how we got Ewan McGregor. Um, it is not a perfect movie. It is not flawless, but it is fun. It is rewatchable. Um, I think it's a bit... Of a stretch to call this Birds of Prey. But so was the Birds of Prey TV show that took place as well. Um, I feel like it is a solid ensemble. Um, and I feel like they were setting up a good thing for Birds of Prey. But again, you know, we're not getting that as it is. But I enjoyed it in that capacity. So, we are down to one, two, three, four, five, six things left. Now, don't get mad at me. me any more than you already are, probably. Uh, but coming in at number six, and I know these are really close together. I'm sorry. 
Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition. And if you're like, what are you talking about? Because you've heard of the Snyder Cut, maybe you missed that this existed. Um, there is a version of Batman versus Superman called the Ultimate Version. Um, and it is a long director's cut that adds about 30 minutes to the story. And y'all, it completely makes the story of Batman versus Superman so much better. Um, it explains stuff that they just gloss over. It fleshes out characters better. Um, it makes the relationship between Batman and Superman stronger. Um, it explains how much more intensity and torture they were putting on Superman leading up to the events that got him all the hate and all the drama anyway. Um, I'd just say it dramatically is a game changer. Um, not to the level of the Snyder Cut, but it and dramatically increases the quality of Batman versus Superman. Now, um, if you were to say that's, you shouldn't include that, um, then I would move Batman versus Superman above birds of prey period and let it just be suicide squad. Then birds of prey. But as it stands, I will put Batman versus Superman ultimate edition, uh, at number six coming in at number five is James Gunn's Suicide Squad. For everything that I liked about the 2016 Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad makes it better. Harley Quinn's downright spooky performance with the uh, ruler of the country, her psychotic nature when she shoots the guy, the uh, scene where she escapes from the castle... Gold. Absolutely gold. King Shark, gold. Uh, Idris Elba is one of my favorite actors. And putting Idris Elba versus John Cena through so many scenes of things was wonderful. I loved watching them work together. The soundtrack was fun. Starro, a great choice. Starro is one of the first Justice League bad guys ever to actually be dealt with. And nowhere... And the not James Gunn DCEU, where we ever going to see Starro. But James Gunn came into it. And if you're unaware of situations surrounding it, we only got James Gunn at Suicide Squad because James Gunn got fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And we're getting an entire new DC world because he got to stick his toe in there. Um, But... I mean, dude, Suicide Squad, the 2021 was, was so dope. Again, this is another movie that was affected by the pandemic. This is another movie that, uh, you know, came along this time, which is also one of the reasons why Wonder Woman 84 is so low on my list is because in the same breath that we got Wonder Woman 84, we got this Suicide Squad, and it just was leaps and bounds better than a lot of what other DC properties had come out. So... Just with that being said, I also freaking love Peter Capaldi and he you know, was fresh off of being the doctor and this was a chance for him to be a villain. Um, uh, the dude that played Ratcatcher, or not Ratcatcher, sorry, the guy that played Polka Dot Man, amazing. Just there was so much good stuff and I felt like this was about as good as you could ask a edgy superhero movie to be. This is what... Um, Suicide Squad 2016 could have been without the putties. But here, here's the thing. They managed to make Starfish more credible than the villains in 2016. So just chew on that. Now, we are coming up to the top five. Oh, wait, no, that is the top five. That, that was number five. Uh, so, Suicide, in yeah, my top five DC films, DCEU, Suicide Squad 2020 is number five. Coming in at number four is the Snyder Cut. Um, I enjoyed the Justice League when we got it. Because it was the first time in my adult life I got to see the Justice League on screen together in cinematic form. And I swallowed everything I didn't like about it because I was getting the Justice League. And that was happy for me. That was important to me. Um, 
but a lot of it didn't make sense. And like Joss put on his little cardboard sign, he tried. Because I, and I've heard a whole Bible study about this. You can't, um, you can't halfway do a vision. You can't halfway do a heart and a story. And I felt like that's what we got with the Joss's one. Which so when we finally got the full version, the Snyder cut of it, it, it was what I wanted. No, was it a perfect film? Absolutely not. But it was what I hoped for. And the elements that changed from the Justice League to the Snyder Cut made every freaking bit of difference. Every single bit of difference. Um, and I loved it. Like, I had my family get up at 3 a.m. Uh, so that we had time to watch it before they went to school. I woke my kids up at 3 a.m. and we all watched Justice League Snyder Cut and then I dropped them off at school and they were happy about it because <laughs> my kids were raised on the Justice League and they saw the difference and they were pumped about it. Um, I, I loved this movie. Um, I know it's long. I know it's a lot. I know that it, you know, not everybody was down for it, but dang it, it was worth it. I When I went to San Diego in 2019... Standing outside of the Comic-Con, for what I understand to be all four days of the Comic-Con, was a dude holding a wooden placard sign like he was Rorschach that said, release the Snyder Cut. And this dude picketed, protested lovingly outside of San Diego Comic-Con the entire weekend. <laughs> and that dude was all I thought about when I finally saw it come out. So, Snyder Cut. Coming in at number four on my... DCEU rankings. Um, coming in at number three, Shazam. I love, 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 love the first Shazam. Uh, the costumes weren't perfect. The special effects weren't all there. But the performances were. The heart was. Uh, Asher Angel's performance as Billy Batson was fire. Zachary Levi as Shazam was perfect. Um, you know, the the supporting cast of the family was absolutely as good as it could get. Um, Freddie Freeman, that kid is gold. Um, and when we finally got the shazam at the end, Cooper Andrews as the stepfather. Y'all... Uh, Mark Strong as the bad guy. I loved it. I loved it. The fact this the movie actually dealt with, you know, Sins being the bad guy and all these other things. Setting up Savannah, Dr. Savannah as the bad guy with the his douchey family um, and then the accident. Dude, the Him rolling in there and having the Sins eat the board and his family and all that stuff. That was ruthless. And I was here for it. I love Zachary Levi. Um, the soundtrack, the, at least the commercials had Eminem. Um, 21 Pilots has a song in the movie. It's just, it was good. It was warm. It was wholesome. It was a combination of big and, um, you know, like Superman. And I loved it. I, I loved it. It's one of the most fun DC films, period. It's one of the most fun superhero films, period. Uh, I haven't actually done the math on this, but I would put it in my top 10 superhero films, period. Um, which made all the negativity that followed Black Adam and Shazam 2 that much more frustrating. But dang it, I loved Shazam. I will die on that hill. I loved it so much. Um... My friend uh, Richard Cutright uh, released a Shazam-themed Christian hip-hop album, and I'm on one of the tracks on it. I love Shazam. I thought it was great. Um, so that's my number three. Coming in at number two, Wonder Woman. Um, and is Wonder Woman the most fun superhero film? No. Is it the most entertaining superhero film? No. But it is the most well-made professional inspiring encouraging uh superhero film out of the dceu um it set the bar really really high 
uh, for what superhero films could be. Uh, I felt like this was the equivalent of Black Panther for Marvel in terms of just setting the bar really high. And, uh, I mean, it was just so well made. It really was. Um, the no man's land scene of her climbing up the ladder and coming out and deflecting the bullets. The fact that now that scene is in the, what is, um, the, the AMC commercials before theaters or before movies, um, where Nicole Kidman is like talking about all the greatness of cinema. The fact that the Wonder Woman scene is used in that speaks volumes that it is the classiest and most sophisticated piece of work to come out of the DCEU. And, uh, I think that that, you know, it, I think that's a, that's an honor. I think that's something that's good. It is not the most entertaining and it's not the most fun, but man, it's good. The vis the visuals, the imagery, the iconic stuff. I mean, it was just good. And I loved it. And I was proud to be a DC fan. <laughs> Listen, being a DC fan means most of the time you can't be proud of things. You just have to defend them. I could be proud of Wonder Woman. And I was proud of Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman came in at number two. And I know this is not a popular choice. But coming in at number one for me is Man of Steel. Man of Steel was a game changer. Uh, I love Zack Snyder's work. I loved Zack from 300. I loved Zack from Watchmen. I loved Zack from Sucker Punch. And to watch him come in and bring such a strong representation of Superman. To have uh, Russell Crowe as the father. To have Kurt uh Kevin Costner to have um all these things to have the messianic Christi Christian imagery to Superman being this messiah like figure to have all this stuff to have a credible Lois Lane to have all of just such good storytelling elements to have such a good Martha and just the visuals the battle scenes I mean the bringing back Zod, bro. And I love Michael Shannon as an actor. And he introduced me to Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon is one of the best actors of this generation. And he freaking killed it as Zod. Yeah, he may have phoned it in for The Flash, but can you blame him? Michael Shannon Zod was gave me chills. Um, you know, Man of Steel has been around 10 years now. And I still have great respect for that movie, which is one of my favorite things about Batman versus Superman. If you time the end of the, if you time a certain point from Man of Steel, it syncs up perfectly to the Metropolis scene in Batman versus Superman. It links up perfectly. Um, and. I just loved the storytelling of it. I loved the visuals of it. Um, and I know people didn't like um, Zod getting his neck snapped. But that scream that Henry Cavill gives after he snaps Zod's neck. Oh my gosh. I still feel that. I still feel that in my soul. Uh, the fight scenes, the battles were so good. I thought the world engine stuff wasn't the best. But at the same time, it made more sense when you set up the way the whole Kryptonian, uh, you know, <laughs> thumb drive thing that they had. And, man, I just loved it. I loved it. And, and I'm not poo-pooing on any other thing, but right before, you know, five years before Man of Steel, was it? We had, or maybe less, but we had, um, or more, uh, we had... Brandon Ruth as in Superman Returns, a film where Superman never actually punches anything, uh, to the point where we got Man of Steel, where not only did Henry Cavill display the strength of Superman, but he also displayed the kindness, he displayed the warmth. And this was also at a time, again, with DC being surrounded by turmoil, that this was a time where they were going to a legal battle where they weren't allowed to say the word Superman. And they didn't get that credit, that uh, 
ability to say Superman until literally the movie was almost done in production because they were going through legal battles with the rights to the families that created Superman. It was the whole thing. But when I look back at Man of Steel, I can look back at that whole game of everything else that the DCU ever did. And Man of Steel is the measuring stick was, did it make me feel the way Man of Steel made me feel? Did it entertain me the way Man of Steel did it? Did I believe, you know, that was the whole deal with the original Superman movie. You'll believe a man can fly. I believed in Superman as a character and as a hero with the performance that we got in Man of Steel and with what Zack Snyder brought to the table with it. Now, it's not for everybody. It's not everybody's jam, but I loved it. I I loved it. I still do. I could watch that movie any day of the week. And um, it's not the most fun, but it is powerful. And I appreciate that. So feel free to drop comments <laughs> lovingly and agree with me, disagree with me. Just be nice. And um, yeah, feel free to share your thoughts on this. And because I'd love to hear them. Um, as long as they're nice, <laughs> don't be mean to me. I'm having a hard time. I can't take it. Um, but before we go, I just want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters for helping make everything possible because you really do. So real quick, I want to thank Jamie Montgomery, Matthew Coleman, Jonathan Herman, Ron Petit, Tess Norton, Scott Ward, Alicia Benson, Candace Davis, Jay Shee, Jillian, Jason Crutchfield, Mike Perna, Todd Turner, Jonathan Jacobs, Zach Karras, Caleb Grimm, Jeanette Skaggs, Deb, uh, Chris Poirier, Deborah Omer, uh, Jason Bullock, Christina Ray, Sarah Lewis, Patrick Gale, Rebecca Godlove, and Adam Davis. All y'all help make everything Faith and Fandom does possible. So, join me in uh, celebrating uh, what the DCU has accomplished. A 10-year run as a story. And uh, hopefully, when 2025 comes and we get Superman Legacy, we'll have some new things to celebrate. But here's the deal, y'all. I'm 42. I, what, maybe got one to one and a half more runs at superhero stories i ain't got a lot of time left on this earth i need them to have some consistently good superhero stories because i don't want to like die in the middle of a trilogy so uh here's hoping this all turns out well and that we have reasons to believe in heroes have a great day <laughs>